I felt drawn to things that were older than me, a bigger story. There's stuff that's been around before I came. There's stuff that's greater than my own life. And this is powerful stuff. <laughs> um, here I am. I weigh everything against the eternal. Choose life, life. It's really weird because I'm not really speaking to you in front of me. But I have to think of you in front of me because if I don't, then I won't be able to speak to you. How you doing? <laughs> if it violates the eternal in any way, then it doesn't happen in my life. How did I get? How did I get? How did I get? Yes, yes, yes. Well, if you cannot handle the uh, the news cycles currently, uh, yeah, then then uh, this is the place for you. We're not going to talk about that other than one quick mention, one quick thing. Let me just please encourage you, please, please consider voting. And I I understand if you're you know I'm look I was this way when I was, you know, in young 20s, I'm anti-system. You know, I don't like the whole thing, so I don't want to buy into it, I don't want to vote. But there, you know, there are some lesser evils, can we put it that way, uh, that, 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 that will steer the ship perhaps slightly farther away from the gigantic icebergs, or now shrinking icebergs due to the uh, global warming thing. Um, so please, Please get out there and vote November whatever it is, 4th or 6th. I don't know. I'm never in town. I get the absentee ballots. I've already done it. It's done, okay? So go out there uh, and do that. And consider getting the absentee ballots. Even if you're not out of town, it's very convenient. You don't have to go anywhere. You can vote from the, the, the privacy of your own home. You can get on to, to Google and really research every candidate and an issue thoroughly before doing, you know, you could, I mean, you could do that in the booth. You could bring your smartphone in there, but that may be, you know, not the most uh, considerate thing to do when there are people waiting outside the booth. Vote, 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 please do, because we, we gotta, we gotta just shift things just a little bit. And I understand, I don't relate to the system. You know, we talk about that a little bit in this episode. Very good episode of the Wandering Wolf podcast. I am your host, Yoni Wolf. You know me by now, uh, or now you do. Anyway, this this is this is an episode that my brother and I did. You know, he sometimes co-hosts the Wandering Wolf with me. He is also a Wandering Wolf, and this is an episode that we did in Israel with our old friend, very, very old friend, maybe one of my oldest friends, uh, Adam Rosenfeld. We go all over the place in this conversation. I think it's a, I think it's a really thought-provoking, compelling episode uh, that's coming up in just a moment. I do want to apologize to Adam, and I, you know, I, I, I did tell him this in person, after the episode, but I, you know, he's a music guy and has been doing music uh, as long as I have, and yet we did not discuss his music really at all. I mean, it, it, we touched on it in the episode, but we don't we don't really get into it 
I think that's partially because I don't need to discuss music with someone that I know on a deeper level. I don't need to go through his musical career uh, like I might do with someone that I don't know as well. Um, so we got straight to the point, uh, to more, more nittier, grittier subjects, more, more uh, closer to the heart stuff. N not that music isn't close to, to both of our hearts, but um, I don't know. Look, when you do music day in and day out, you don't always want to just talk about it. So we talked about other stuff. Uh, that's coming up in just a minute. I do want to say, if you listen to this podcast, you've heard this spiel before. Okay, fine. You can shift forward if you want. That's There's no problem in that. I'm not going to... Maybe they have a 15-second-plus option on your app or whatever. Go ahead. That's fine. We're going to discuss patreon.com slash thewanderingwolf. If you're a listener, please consider going there and pledging. I don't like that word, a pledge. You know, it sounds... It's very, like... Uh, I don't know, Boy Cub Scouts or something, youth group. But please do go to patreon.com slash the wandering wolf. And if, if you know, if, if you like the episodes, you want me to do more, you want it to be more consistent, go over there and, and give a little something, pledge a little something, uh, or boop a little something uh, to the wandering wolf podcast. Uh, my, my, my $5 a month or more patrons get uh, their name read in the list of executive producers at the end of the episode so those of you who are waiting for that your time will come momentarily well maybe in like 60 minutes after we have the uh, podcast conversation patreon.com slash the wandering wolf go there i don't know what have i been up to well you ask you ask me this every week and uh, I I'll, I'll tell you i've been doing i did made made a few remixes for some friends uh, working on a collab track, just kind of, just kind of, sort of getting odds and ends done. Things I've been meaning to do for a long time, uh, work stuff. But that said, yesterday I took off work, and I took off work the day before yesterday too. Thursday, uh, my partner and I. Do you, do you call her that girlfriend partner? You know, I don't know. Who knows? Whatever the girlfriend sounds a bit juvenile. Partner sounds a bit. Uh, I don't know, touchy-feely. Um, we went to we went out on a date. Uh, we had a date day, so that was real nice. And we hadn't done that in a long time. We went down to the uh, Contemporary Art Museum in Cincinnati, uh, which is free to the public. That's really great. If you live in Cincinnati, go down there. Very, very cool place. Awesome even just to see the architecture in there. It's a beautiful building. Uh, and then we, well, we had some sushi lunch. Uh, and then we went to a movie. We went to see the remake of A Star is Born. And I have to say, I, I didn't cry, but I did get chills a lot often on the movie. And I'm not trying to shove a, a, a Hollywood movie down your throat, because, you know, whatever. That's not for me to do, and they don't need more money. But uh, we enjoyed it. You know, it's a nice thing to enjoy in the theater. Right? It's not... It's not Groundbreaking, I wouldn't say, uh, in its in its uh, you know craft or, or or form or anything like that. Uh, it's a pretty predictable style of script. It's a remake, but um, it was very well done. And I, uh, Lady Gaga is is a very compelling uh, artist. She is a star. She has that star quality, and she gave me chills uh, several times. Uh, several times, she's got uh, that energy, and she she acted 
brilliantly, and so did, of course, Bradley Cooper. That's no surprise. We did that, and then yesterday, I went over to my sister's house. Grace also came over with me, and we helped her paint. We painted her living room for her, because she had just moved in to uh, uh, her new house that she bought a couple of months ago. And she hadn't painted yet, and she, you know she was feeling overwhelmed, so we, we decided to bless her with that. Uh, just some, some labor of love. I still got it. I gotta say, I've still got it. I can paint a room just fine. And Grace is wonderful as well at it. So, so uh, we hooked her up, it looks real good. And today I'm going over and doing the bathroom. You know, Let's, we're gonna get this, get this place looking right. If you're uh, in America, the United States of that is, because we're not going to Canada or Mexico, um, please consider going to whywithaquestionmark.com, all spelled out, whywithaquestionmark.com, uh, slash tour, and checking out the tour dates there because we're going out in November and December playing our 10-year-old album, Alopecia, in its entirety for its 10-year anniversary. So if you're interested in that, if that appeals to you, uh, if you like that album and you want to see it played live front to back, then whywithaquestionmark.com slash tour. Come out to one of the shows. If you're interested in it, buy the tickets now, okay? New York City's been sold out forever. Uh, the whole West Coast is about to sell out, or most of the West Coast, I believe. So get your tickets now. I don't feel like I have to explain too much about our guest, Adam Rosenfeld, but I'll say that we grew up together in Cincinnati, and I, I, I'll, I'll reiterate this in the, in the conversation anyway, but we grew up together in Cincinnati. He moved away. Um, you know, he's an old and dear friend that I see infrequently, but have a lot of love for, and also, you know, we have very different ideologies, very different ways of thinking. But he's a good man with a lot of heart. And uh, I, I think you'll enjoy this conversation. It's a good one. So let's, let's, let's get right into this conversation with Adam Rosenfeld. You know, I should just say to our audience listening that we have known you, you have known me since I was born, pretty much, right? Or maybe I was two or something. Uh... Two sounds good. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Um, and we grew up with Adam in Cincinnati. He moved um, when he was around 13 to Israel. Yeah, just, just filling in our, our, our... That's good. And, and we grew up together in uh, the Messianic synagogue that Josiah and my father is still the rabbi of. Different building, same congregation. Literally the same exact people if you go there. Some so, new ones. Some of them. Some new ones, but some old faces that you'll know and recognize. Um, yeah, so that's what, yeah. So what is your job now? Let's just start with that. My job? Yeah. Oh, um, I do, I call it online strategy, branding, web development, um, and content marketing strategies, primarily for a, um, 
a ministry in Jerusalem, but particularly uh, Jewish roots of the, uh, how can I say? Like, I'm going to use the word, the term Yeshua, which refers to Jesus. So Jewish believers in Jesus, but with a focus on the Jewish roots of Jesus' teachings. And I do their online strategy, and I also do it um, as a freelancer. So okay. for other people. Yeah. And so, so it's like, uh, yeah, just like branding. Like, I see. Branding, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. And I do music. So, yes. But, yes. Like, New York City once, I was in New York City, and someone was telling me, like, every people group, like, had, like, they were in charge of something. Like, the Chinese had the laundry. I'm sorry if it sounds like... Racist or whatever. Yeah, but that's what I was told. Like, the Chinese yeah. did the laundry, the Israelis did the moving, yeah. the Italians did this. So, it's so in true. Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, for, like, Anglo-Saxon people that came up from the Messianic upbringing, it's ministry. That's, like, the thing. And so, You're saying uh, if if non-Jewish people, non-Jewish Christians move over here, that's what they're doing. Non-Jewish Christians in in uh, Israel have to have some sort of status. So either they're volunteers or students, depending on what they're what they're at. But they're usually connected with some sort of ministry. Yeah. So, so that they can have citizenship, you mean, or so that they can live here? Um. The nation doesn't, like, the government doesn't really um, encourage... Non-Jews to be citizens. That, definitely, but also uh, ministry activity. Evangelical activity in certain forms is very much encouraged because it's very pro-Israel. But when it starts to involve Jewish people and local Israelis, um, the government gets concerned. Certain parts of the government get concerned. So they don't really encourage uh, non-Jews to stay for long. So you have a lot of non-Jews who are who really want to be here because of their heart and their faith that they have to make things work. So maybe they'll have a academic visa and then allow them to be here or something like that. You know. So um, that's the world I live in. You know. So that, but I mean, not for you. I mean, obviously you're a citizen. Not for me, but. Um, Many of the people that I'm in touch with are not uh, Jewish. Yeah. Yet have this heart for Israel is the best way I'd call it. And so they have to, I mean, a lot of people in our community are like that. And even my family, like my wife, she's a citizen because she married me. But her siblings really want to be in uh, Israel, but cannot because of their status. So I see. They've come for different seasons, but have not been able to stay permanently. So, you know. I see. And that, so, do you see a lot of people come and go? Oh yeah. In that world. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. And trying to start a band with certain people in that world makes it even more difficult because they leave. People come and go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so. Who, who's involved in your your current project? Um, me. Just you, right okay. Just me right now, yeah. Can I ask a question? Yeah. How do you feel about those kinds of uh, laws with the government? But what with the government? The laws. Lies? Laws. <laughs> Sorry. It's my hearing. The laws. Laws of the government? Yeah. In regards to what? Citizenship. It, citizenship. Okay. How do you feel about it? Uh, this is kind of like a political overview, but... 
there's different ministries of the government that usually fall to different political parties. And so there's an ultra-Orthodox party uh, within, our, within the government, and they always push to be in charge of the Ministry of Interior. And so that's to prevent what, what is deemed as, what is considered missionary activity. How do I feel about it? Well, many times illegal things are done. So I don't like the law being broken. And more so, and let me get closer to what I feel. Here's what I feel. Let me articulate this. Oh, this is kind of... Tough question, sorry. It's a good question, though. Sure, I'd like to know that, yeah. Yeah. that kind of thing. God, Israel is not, like, for some reason, God loves Israel. I don't know why. You have to ask him. And if you love God, he'll tell you that he loves Israel. And so if you're Jewish or not, you get this heart for Israel, you know, and I see it happening to people. And I see a lot of non-Jewish people from all over the world. They have this heart for Israel. And they leave everything so they can be here. That's in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, it is in the Bible, but it's this drive. It's this drive to be here. And I see many non-Jewish people get broken. You know, they leave, they leave nice homes, they leave jobs, you know, to be here, to be in a country that makes it difficult for them to be here. So what they need isn't necessarily justice to be here. They need favor to be here. They need the government to f smile upon them and help them. And it's something that I believe in and I hope for. It's, it's something that I want. I want non-Jews to have favor to be here. So. To be, to even to get to be citizens? Or just like to get a visa and is it at this point? You're right, right. I, I, I don't I'm not quali I don't feel qualified to say yeah. citizens or visas because I don't know the demographic needs of the countries, but I definitely don't want to see my brothers and sisters in my faith kicked out. Kicked out in holding cells, harassed. You know, I don't want to see that stuff. What about I mean, what about Palestinians in that respect? Um, you know, they, I was, I would argue that they have even a rougher time probably than Christians here. The, but say it again. I would say Palestinians maybe or Muslims in general maybe have even a more difficult time here than Christians or or no. Um, that Muslims are having a more difficult time than Christians. Palestinians specifically, let's say, you know, have it rough here and and are kicked out you know or, or i mean obviously were kicked out uh in most cases and I, th I think you might be referring to a reality of checkpoints is that what you're talking about that well, that's part of it yeah sure but if you're if you're an is it is really if you're an israeli arab yeah which is a large part of the population and you're a muslim there isn't a threat to kick you out of the country. Yeah. You, you live I, I, here. I was talking time. about in the past, more so. Um, Expulsions and stuff like that. 
I think I think I think you might be referring to like checkpoints, like people who live outside of what's considered. Uh, how can I say? There's certain areas that are past the wall, you know, past the checkpoints, and then and then, but then you might have a job. Like you might live past the checkpoint, but you might have a job on the other side of the checkpoint and having to L- deal with living that in Palestine and have a job in Israel. You're saying? Yeah, I, I don't really have a good name for what the call, you know, where people live, but there's a reality yeah. that people who are Arab, uh, possibly Muslim, largely Muslim, have to go past checkpoints to live their lives, you know? Yeah. And, you know, how do I feel about it? Like, you know, I feel, I mean... I just meant in regards to, because you were saying, you know, uh, Christians are often kicked out you know or or like they don't make it easy for christians but i was saying maybe they do the same for muslims maybe it's yeah. also different. It's a very different situation it, it's different yes it's it a, is. yeah yes, the it is. the christian thing is more of a religious um influence in the government and the other thing is more of a security concern yeah you know so yeah true true so yeah anyway i was just asking your opinion about it um so Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Where do we go with this? There's so many places. To, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's too, I know too much. This is a... Uh, uh, in many ways. Uh, do you, uh, you have a huge family now. I mean, that's something we could talk about. Yeah. Uh, seven kids? Eight. Eight, Eight kids. Um, how, how is that? I mean, how, how has that changed your life? Um... And why, like, why that many kids? Do you, like, was that a planned thing, or is it the kind of thing where you just you don't you don't mess with uh, you don't mess with contraception? All right, well, let's begin. The blame, you know, falls. The beginning of the blame, yeah, falls on you and you <laughs> because for making sexy ass music. That yeah, well, you couldn't let me, help. Let me, but, let, me, uh, let me explain. No. Let me explain. <laughs> I grow up. You know, I spent a large part of my life at your house. Yeah. And I see these two brothers, and they, you know, and... And a sister. Don't forget uh, Becky. Yep, yep. But she didn't, you know, watch wrestling on Friday night like we did. Right. And she didn't. She was excluded from many activities. True. Um, and I'm, I'm the youngest... But I, I, I'm the youngest of five children by many years. So it's all, you know... My closest sibling is nine years older than me. And ostensibly she's a, 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 an only child, ostensibly. In many ways. Yeah. And so I always thought it would be cool to have a brother. And that's what I wanted to give my kids. I wanted, to give, I wanted my kids siblings, like, you know, so they'd have that experience. But when we started having kids, it was more of like a primal drive it, in my wife. It was like, we didn't say, hey, we're going to have kids. It was just... We kind of felt after a year of marriage that it was time, you know, like, okay, let's just, you know, I guess we got to do it at some point, you know, have kids at some point. So I guess we want to, we should try, have kids. And I, I, but there was also this thing in my wife that I knew it, it, it was, it came from somewhere else deep in her and I didn't want to mess with it. Like, I didn't want to say like, you know, no, we're not doing this, you know? And so I, I kind of, I have this saying that 
there are three no-brainers in life. Um, one of them, I believe it's a no-brainer, you know, to, to submit to God. It's a no-brainer to get married, and it's a no-brainer to have kids. The rest of life is brainer, whatever. And so... Did this for you or you mean for anybody? Huh? You mean just for your life or for anybody's life? Well, I believe it, so I believe... If, if I believe it, I think it's cool for everybody, but you know, yeah. I don't go around telling people to do this. So, But, like, having... Um, it just felt right to bring more kids into the world. But this deeper stuff, because this, this is kind of a deep, because like, it's a good thing that you can do. You might be struggling with other areas of your life, but you can do good by bringing life. Or then, what if one of them's a serial killer? What? what? <laughs> but if one of them's a serial killer, I'm, I'm, it's a serial killer that God loves. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's another human life. It's kind of the most profound. Let me say the let do, me say right? the next thing I'm going to say and see yeah, if yeah, it, yeah, yeah. But when you start thinking like count count the cost, like you know the cost of having another kid, the financial cost, the cost to your I don't know well being, it just never seemed to add up enough to a human life. Like, okay, one more human life, or, you know, all this other, you know, all this extra cost and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, you know, one more human life wins. So having said that, I do have eight children and not nine children, you know, so. You're done? You're done. Well, I don't want to say we're done because I don't, I don't want to declare that, you know. I think it would be cool to maybe have children other ways, like adoption or something, but I, I can't say that as if I'm doing it, you know. I don't want to announce that and say and, and, and get the cred for that. If there's any kids that. looking to be adopted, Adam right. will take them <laughs> under so, his wing. So call first, but not. But uh, um, there's also kind of a punk rock element to it in the sense that my, my wife comes from a punk rock background, literally since age 14 playing in punk bands. And it's kind of like saying... This is our form of counterculture, I guess. It's having kids. Huh? Counterculture, a form of counterculture to have kids. Kind of, because after a while, after a while, we had so, all these kids and we're trying to do life. We're trying to do uh, a school week, you know. And every day, I end the day feeling like a, like a failure as a parent because I didn't get help the kids get all the homework done and all the chores and whatnot. And then it occurred to me that society is built for a certain number of children based on the average birth rate of, you know, the demographic, whatever. And the Western world as a whole is pretty much built for two kids. You know, maybe in some places, it's like Israel's like 2.6 average birth rate a little bit old statistics but last time I checked that's how society is built for so when you go past three kids you're like breaking the demographic you're you're messing with the you know so punk rock so, so you're basically the Bob Marley of uh, of Israel <laughs> in the sense of 
He had like fifty kids. Oh, okay. Something. I mean, all all different. I was mothers. Felicuti, but <laughs> what, what, does he have a lot so, of kids? I don't know much about Felicuti. Yeah, like, he, has he a, few. a lot of wives too. Okay. So. Yeah. So actually, I wouldn't I wouldn't go that way because I I got one wife. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. And yet, you had eight kids in six years. How did that? No, I'm just kidding. You do have twins, though. Do you have twins? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, that's do, how has that how has that changed your outlook on life? You know, just outlook on life. Yeah. Okay. You ready for it? Yeah. And Sai, you just chime in if you have if you're curious about anything. Yeah. Well, first you're responding to stuff because you, you got a kid. What does a kid do first thing? Break shit. I don't know. Something like that. You yeah. know. What I mean? You know. You got to respond. You got to change a diaper. You got to cuddle the kid, and so you're in this world where you're just responding to stuff. Another kid comes. You're responding to more stuff. You're res- you know responding. Life can begin to feel like you're just responding to things. And I remember, after having six kids, we went to visit family in France. And just France, it's, it was Christmas time. Was Bethany's just, family, I assume? Yeah. yeah. yeah and it's just different, different climate, different environment than Israel, than day to day. And I went out on a walk some morning. Actually, it was by the Rhine River with Germany. Pretty cool. And there were some ducks out there. I'm walking, river, ducks, and then something hits me. Question. Question was, how did I get here? You know, I mean, I'm in this, how did I get here in life? You know, I stepped out a little bit of what was normal. And I realized it was because I made three decisions. One decision was to have children. The other decision was to embrace my national identity as being an Israeli, and a third decision was to serve God, give my life to God, you know. But if I had, now, quote, unquote, if I had my way, my three decisions would be to skateboard, make music, and collect comic books or make movies or something, you know. I'd probably live in San Francisco or New York or Cincinnati, you know. But... I felt drawn to things that were older than me, a bigger story. There's stuff that's been around before I came. There's stuff that's greater than my own life. And this is powerful stuff. And one of them is life, the whole continuation of life, the biological thing. Second is national identity, nations. And and the third is spiritual identity. Those three things have been around longer than me. And I decided I wanted to buy into those things. That's my outlook on life, is that I weigh everything against the eternal. I weigh my choices in in the temporary against the eternal. So all my love for music and skateboarding and art and all that stuff is weighed against the eternal. If it violates the eternal in any way, then it doesn't happen in my life. But the eternal is happening regardless. And when you, you, when you say the eternal, I take it that you mean God because the universe is not eternal, right? I mean, it's, you know, from what they say, at some point it's going to end. I mean, many, many years from now, but 
the eternal to me means something outside of the physical. Well, creative power is, a, I believe it to be eternal. Okay. Consciousness, Man, maybe. What? Consciousness. Man's ability to create is a gift from God. And I believe that to be eternal. And um, music, the idea of music, uh, sounds and lifting up an idea, I believe that to be eternal. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, where are we at now? <laughs> yeah, well... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I, you know, I agree with some of what you say. I have my opinions about it. I think, uh, I don't think national identity goes back that far. National identity what? Doesn't go back that far. I mean, it goes back pretty far. It goes back to, yeah. to tribalism. Yeah. It goes back to... Actually... It goes back to where we come from. But, you know, we have different core beliefs about where we come from, perhaps. That's a good point. I need to correct eternal with a different way of saying it. Um, there's a pastor in California named Bill Johnson. He used the term 100-year vision. So let's just dial it down to 100 years. Okay. Stuff that's that's around, very... Uh... You know, stuff, stuff that's been around longer than, than B, you know? So... Yeah. So, and, and in the face of that, well, I was asking you about how having such a large family has changed your outlook. Remember you were walking on around the walking on the, the 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 banks of the Rhine River. Yeah. Yeah, and this is what you were thinking when you were walking. Yeah. So basically, my outlook is: How am I guarding, facilitating, and encouraging those three things in my life and the lives of others? Um, that's that's my outlook on life. Yeah. So. So okay. you you follow those things and you find that it's very good for you. Um, good is, yeah, I mean, it's goodness, but it, I feel a drive. To good for your, that's, that's good, good, than, good for your spirit, as you would say. It's deeper than the pursuit of goodness. There's, I was telling you about this guy, Jeremy Pryor from Cincinnati. He teaches some of this stuff and he was talking about how people with more kids on, if you rate their happiness, they're not necessarily more happy than people with less kids or no kids. <laughs> What they might have is more of a sense of meaning, but happiness—it's not, you know. Meaning because what they know that that they're living on in a way, in the world through their kids, they're you know they're continuing their gene pool, gene pool, and yeah, gene pool, gene pool, genetic meaning in in the the responsibility. Look. We're all called to steward something. You're stewarding your craft and your art. You have to be responsible. You guys make a lot of choices, health choices, so you can go on stage again, stuff like that, you know? Yeah. And so we're stewarding your family, you, you know, that's a purpose, you know? Yes. So. Yeah, I mean, I feel that pull to have kids. I feel, I feel like that's something I would like to do. It's something that, you know, it is like a, a very natural thing as any living thing on earth. Like, what do we do? Well, we procreate and, and continue on after we die, you know? So yeah, I feel that too. 
Josiah? Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think most people feel that. I, I don't, I wouldn't say everyone, but I think that it's one of the most basic urges that any living creature has is to procreate. Yeah. Live on, keep going. Actually, um, survive. It's not just procreation, because you could adopt kids, you know, and you could even not be a parent. You can just find someone in need. The Bible calls us to care for the fatherless and the widow. That's like the core thing of the Bible. And when you care for the fatherless, you're, you're like, you know, it's not, you're not procreating, but you're caring for life, right? And I think a good way to consider it is the Bible says to choose life. You know, I give you before you to choose life and death, choose life that you may live. And so I call it choosing life because it could be having children, it could be caring for other children, or it could be just certain attitudes, like, like taking care of your own body, taking care of yourself, creating a I healthy environment. I think the word stewardship is perfect. The, that yeah. word makes perfect sense to me, what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. um, can we talk about your hearing for a sec? I mean, we yeah, might yeah. as well, because, you know, we're, we're, you know, you have this thing that you're, like, microphone that you're making sure you, you get what we're saying. I, tell me a little bit about what happened. You got a virus. Is that what happened? Well, I don't, no doctor has a piece of paper that says what happened to me. Okay, you know? so it's a bit of a mystery. Well, the external symptom is something called SSNHL, sudden sensory neural hearing loss. Um, but what causes sudden sensory neural hearing loss isn't totally clear. Um, part of it was a virus called CMV um, that can express itself in attacking the nerves. So basically, one day in 2010, I'd already been super sick for a week, like super like fatigued. I went to bed and I woke up with significant hearing loss and ringing in both ears. And it's been that, that way since. So, um, it's, And it's neurological. It's an attack on the nerves, yeah. So, like but it's, I not, think, it's not ear, eardrum related. It's like how the ears relate to the brain somehow. I think so, yeah. Okay. That's my... That's my that was what I was told. But um, I had to dig to find out what's wrong with me because although the hearing loss was a one-off, I continued to get intense bouts of fatigue. Um, I'd lose about a month a year to fatigue. I mean, be in bed and stuff like that. And, you also uh, have eight kids. So that right, right. So it's kind of... <laughs> yeah. and, and to be honest, not to get all emo but it comes with depression a lot of times yes so um let's get emo that's, you know <laughs> okay. i mean that's what this so, podcast is for man. I, I, I looked it up and apparently it's something called adrenal fatigue okay. so uh but the question is how i got it and i think it had to do with some life choices i made and some circumstances i dealt with um in around well, my lifestyle you know stress-related stuff so yeah. And that's why you got the, you, you mean that's why you got the initial virus or that's why the hearing loss happened? The fatigue started four years before the hearing loss. Okay, okay. So, yeah. And so. You, you got checked for Lyme disease and uh, <laughs> what are the other, all the different things that. I got, I got tested, you know, yeah. I don't know all the, you know. I'm just saying the, things that cause f 
fatigue, chronic fatigue syndrome. These oh, actually, you know, I... It does sound like I Lyme did, I didn't go through all that. I didn't, actually, I didn't go through all that. Better but, check that uh, Lyme disease, man. What if it's Lyme disease? I'll talk to my people. I'll talk to your doctor. I'll talk to your doctor. <laughs> but, um, but it's unrelated to... I remember, you know, you were in the war uh, the, against Lebanon, and that was like... Second Lebanon war. What year was that? 2006. 2006. And you had hearing loss then based on a rocket going by, right by your head or something. Uh, it, was a, it was a lot of stuff, but it was actually um, someone was shooting a gun right next to my ear. Okay. So a rifle. So. But that's totally, you think it's totally unrelated? Totally unrelated. Okay. Okay. So you got, you got your hearing back after that. That was very right? temporary, right? It was temporary. There may have been some permanent damage, but not really, you know, okay. the okay. kind of stuff from playing loud music or whatever. But, uh, so that, unrelated. Okay. But okay. it may have, <laughs> that was the time the adrenal fatigue started. Right. Because of uh, stress-related stuff. Do you think it was PTSD? Season. Like, Do I think there was, I think I've had PTSD since I was four years old. So, you know... Having the war happen gives me legitimacy to talk about it. Like, hey, <laughs> yeah. I was in a war. I have PTSD. But I think I've had PTSD all my life. Why do you say that? <laughs> Why do you say that, that you've had it all your life? Um, and I think many of people have, you know, so. I don't know. I think that that may be a way of covering it up, maybe. I, I don't know. You saw some stuff, man. I mean, you probably do have some trauma. I would Some think. what stuff? Battlefield stuff, you know. I, oh yeah, we didn't talk about the details, but my, my, you want me to talk about my childhood stuff? Well, I'm curious <laughs> about why you say you had PTSD from childhood. Um, yeah, no, you don't have to talk about that. If you don't if, want you, to. if you want to talk about yeah. it, yeah, have to talk. About All right, it. let's talk. Let's talk. All right. When I was about, maybe you remember this. I don't know. When I was about four years old, I was out playing in my driveway, and uh, my mom called me. And I looked up, and my entire field of vision, or 80% of it, was covered by a large butterfly. Do you remember this? Yeah. I, I, I remember that you were afraid of butterflies. <laughs> and this thing was a monster, man. Some gross-looking moth. I've never, seen, I've never seen it again in my life, this kind of thing. Maybe because I saw it. And it but the reaction was terror, knee-jerk terror. And... That's a little thing, you know, it's just like one thing, but having that in your life, something you're terrified of, it kind of made it legitimate for me to say that these things I, I don't look at and these things, I, these things I'm afraid of. And it seemed to kind of open the door to fear of other stuff. So it started with butterflies, but then it would be... It didn't, it didn't necessarily accelerate. Today... I, I try to keep pictures of butterflies a little bit around, you know, to give a healthy thing. And, yeah. You know, there's still that knee jerk sometimes, but I understand in my head that it's it's a phobia. like an irrational, you know. Yeah. A, a phobia is an irrational yeah. fear. So, but um, let me try to word this properly. I. I, maybe I can't. It's childhood stuff, you know. Uh, but I felt being in the war, being in the war, gave me legitimacy to talk about it, you know. And yeah, there was some stuff in the war that, 
you know, stuff. <laughs> Things that people see in war. Huh? Yeah. yeah, I tell people like imagine a situation, and that's what it was, you know. Yeah. And um, and I came back from the war. My wife was pregnant with twins. We moved into like a nine-year-old apartment that needed a lot of work. And I was running a label then, label distribution, and I was absent for two months from my own business. That was crazy stress. You know? So you and and did you see ther- uh, a therapist after the war and stuff for PTSD or or no? After a while, I, I got in touch with a counselor. Um, it wasn't instant, but it was after a while. Yeah. Yeah. So. Because you had some friends that died there, yeah. 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 I mean, that's, I can't. I can't even imagine, man. What about uh, a tick? Do you have a tick on your body? A tick? Yeah. Do you remember? Like a I don't ba- remember. A bad one? No. Gross. He's, no, I don't remember. He's that. <laughs> trying to find out if you have Lyme disease. I'm just. We're just trying to figure out what it is. You know, just kind of going through. <laughs> these, all these options seem possible. <laughs> oh man. Um. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. How has the hearing affected you, would you say, um, in your life? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we just had two days of a lot of social stuff, being around people. And most of what I do, if I interact, is this kind of stuff, like yeah. one-on-one stuff. I noticed it was, t- it was tough for you because, you, yeah, it's, it's hard to be in a group and understand what people are saying. So I don't, I don't pick up, you know, on the social stuff and... I don't pick up a lot of stuff my kids say, um, but I mean I'm I get I get stuff done in life like I I can, I can call the bank you You're know functional. what I mean functional yes and and, and yeah, I can do my work, but um, group settings you know which is social group settings and there are uh, faith based group settings and work based group setting and and I struggle in those in those settings you know so. Uh, yeah. Has it been, has it felt isolating in some ways? I wonder about that. I wonder if it if it caused me to make decisions kind of unconsciously, life decisions. Yeah. Put, like I work in an office and I do most of my work alone. You know, like kind of like don't disturb me, let me ship my work. You know. Um, I wonder if that is because my hearing. You know, I kind of push towards that. You know what I mean? Like I don't work in food service. I don't. You know, how am I take your order? Whatever. You know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. Um, I wonder, but I guess everybody deals with stuff, you know? Yeah, so. I think, yeah, I'm sure that you come up with creative ways to communicate. Yeah. D- different ways to communicate. Yeah. I talk a lot, you know. I well, talk, yeah. I talk. Well, you know, one thing that I notice um, on this trip is I'm learning a lot about your life, but I haven't been talking about my life very much because. It's hard to, you know, explain complicated <laughs> things sometimes. And not, that, I mean, not that my life is that complicated, but, I, you know, I can understand you very well. Hmm. well he speaks English, dude. He, he grew up in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I just no. mean, yeah, you're, you're articulate with your thoughts. Um, but, I, you know, I have a hard time. In my voice, I mumble a little bit, so you don't always hear what I'm saying. I like how Josiah gets the microphone treatment way more than I do. Hey, don't worry about it. <laughs> Just because I, I know I'm, li- I'm loud and I have, I, I, my voice cuts. It happens cuts. a lot with all kinds of different people. Yeah. I, there's certain relatives that 
I just don't hear you and I hear you and but we work it out. We work yeah. it out. So yeah. I, I'm often told that I'm too loud. So So you're good, you're good. You okay. got that your voice is very clear. Yeah. See you I mumble. I, I, yeah. Timber, how can I speak so. more clearly? What how do I do that? There you go. Is that better? <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> you have to open your mouth more. Like, like a that. <laughs> Yeah. So. Um do you, when's the last time you were in the U.S.? I can't remember. 2011. Do you ever miss it? Do you ever feel like, you know, yeah, I don't know. Do you, do you miss it or does it seem like a hell that you wouldn't want to go back to? Not a whole, no. I don't think about it much because my life is not there. Yeah. I think the United States is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful country. But my life is not there. Yeah. And so I try not to think about it that much. My life is here. But one thing that I miss, is, maybe it's the same, it's like two things, but it's one thing. It's more Wendy's. of a... Wendy's. <laughs> I gotta, like, there seems to be a connection with history and a pride in American history that I, I find very special. Like, the patriotic spirit of America actually helps me be a better Israeli. Um, somebody I said I hate the patriotic spirit of America. What? I hate it. The, I'm talking I mean, about to some extent. To some extent, I'm talking it about depends. 200 years ago. Patriotic. I'm talking about John Adams. And, oh yeah, I like John Adams. Those guys. Um, the kind of the founding fathers. What's that? The founding fathers. Is Israel is founding fathers? Yes, Israel is a younger country, as a, as a modern nation. It's only around since forty eight, and it doesn't have that kind of old school, uh, you know, the constitution old schoolness of it. You have historical. nostalgia for the old founding fathers and stuff. I, yeah, I was telling Josiah, like Israel is either ancient or modern. Like yeah. most of Israel you see has been around since the sixties. And the other stuff is just ancient. Like, like this wall is ancient. And you don't have a lot of historical buildings that have been around 100, 200 years. And I love that. Like, old libraries, that, stuff like that. Yeah. You know, it's cool architecture. We don't, we don't really have that. So I miss that. But I miss some, Philadelphia but, but stuff, you know. Isn't some of that blurb just because other people were here, you know? Like, the, the, and it, you know, there, there were all these... Say it again? Other people were here between when the Jews were here and then the, when the Jews came again in, yeah. in the early century. But they, they didn't leave a lasting... They didn't make big buildings and things. They made what they made, but it's not celebrated as much today. It's not, it's not you know, so, look. But is that a bad thing? I don't know. I, to me, it's... It, it's an, it just is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a train station next to my house that just got restored. Um, no trains, but historical really and people we love it we go there it's just beautiful the shops and cafes and it comes from the turks and the british mandate and you know from people who have come and gone you know yeah so yeah um I'm trying to think. Do, what else would you want to talk about? Do you do you want to talk about religion stuff or that? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, that's a big part of your life, and I, I just feel like I don't want to. I don't want to. Um, you know, gloss gloss over that. That's a big part of who you are. And what do you, what do you what want to know, about. man? 
I don't know. I mean, that's a hard one because, you know, I'm, I'm not religious and it's hard for me to, you know, I mean, obviously I grew up that way. Um, did you just have a continuous belief in sort of how we grew up that has evolved until now? Or was there a time when you were like, uh, okay. okay, outside of it? You and me, man. I mean, you and just, I mean, like, do you remember I'm making a choice of faith? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at some point, I mean, for me, it was, it never felt, it like, I wanted to feel it more than I ever felt it. I never really felt it, but I really wanted to. And, you know, I remember being like at the conference or, you know, even at Beth Messiah wanting to like, you know, wanting to really feel like something, wanting to feel the gifts of the spirit or wanting to feel, uh, you know, any of that stuff. And I never really did. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, at when I sort of became a, a teenager and, you know, could sort of think for myself and be out in the world and meet new people and stuff. I, I, I stopped going to Beth Messiah, you know, I'm, I'm shortly after you left the city, really, you know, after yeah. you, you moved here. Um, because it felt like, well, that's not what my life is about. It wasn't, it, it seemed far-fetched and sort of like... Um, not me, you know, it, it, it didn't feel like something I could connect to. Hmm. So that's me, but I'm curious about you. Well, I remember distinctly at the age of four in the basement of Beth Messiah, someone walked over up to me and asked me if I wanted to accept Yeshua into my heart. And I felt this clear understanding that I got to do this. This is the right thing. And I did. So I made this choice of faith at the age of four. But at later in life, I remember I had to recommit to that choice. I had, there were crossroads, you know what I mean, where do I continue with this or do I, you know. And at the age of 13, when I had just moved to Israel, I, we're the same upbringing, same age, 13. Like, uh, you're making choices about your identity and stuff, you know. And I went to this little youth conference at a local congregation in the Tiberias area, and the youth leader was woken up at three in the morning or um, one night, and he wrote this letter. And in this letter, it said something that stuck with me, and it said that God called me to Israel, not just my parents. And so I had this sense of purpose in this big move. It was a huge move for us to Israel, you know. Um, and so that purpose really helped me in my faith. And then I went on, I did high school and I did the army. And by the time the army, I just wanted to get out of the country. I wanted to get out um, and go hang with you guys, you know. You wanted to move back. And like you came, I mean, you remember you came and visited yeah. around that time when you had orange hair, yeah. remember? And, yeah. and when I was living with Dose at that little apartment, yeah, you, 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 it's two that different before, times. That was before yeah. he joined the army. Yeah. Oh, God. Orange hair, three years later, you were living with those. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Two but, different uh, times. Okay, I was living at my parents' house. You came and stayed at my parents' house yeah. for a little while. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's right. So, um, but... Yeah, two different trips. You're right. But um, I was about to finish the army, 
And my mom came to visit me on the base, and she said something from the Bible. Prophet Amos, Amos, he was called to marry an adulterous wife, and that was supposed to symbolize God's relationship with Israel, like Israel is some sort of adulterous wife who goes to false gods and other gods. You know what I mean? You, I mean, do I know what you mean? I it's, mean, a, it's in the book of Amos. So look it up. No, okay. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, she said to me that those who are called to Israel are like those called to the adulter married to the adulterous wife or called like, like you know and when she said that I fell in love with Israel <laughs> and it, it you know what I'm saying I, I don't exactly so but <laughs> you know okay but so I did end up going to the US but after a few months I came back you know I, you know but what I'm trying to say is that there's these different crossroads and there's these different moments where you you uh, recommit or reinforce your faith and there have been many since you know so I guess it's like a love relationship do you make decisions to recommit to your partner you know no I'm an, I'm an adulterous wife so well I'll, okay <laughs> no I'm just kidding <laughs> but uh you know, um, so you re you recommit in the sense that you recommit to the people. Every day I recommit to my, you know, to my faith, my marriage, my family, you know, or stay committed, you know. So. Yeah. And you, I mean, I almost think part of it is just difference in personality, too. Like, you know, I am a very, and Josiah is, too, I think, a very, like, sort of gray thinker like we we're not definite on anything you adam you remind me so much of my dad yeah so much of my dad like and and, and both of you are kind of black and white and you're thinking like this is this and this is this mm -hmm. like it's just a different and i i feel almost like that is why you're able to stay committed in that way um and I don't know. It gives you a certain sense of parameters for how to live your life and what is important and what's not. And I just wasn't able to maintain that. For me, it's like it became, um, I, I just had too many doubts, too many questions. And it was like, ah, eh, this is not for me. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I also have just have a different viewpoint on a lot of the things just based on what how I believe things are, which, you know, I don't have all the answers, obviously. But, you know, I, I think that a nation, nation state is the way things are right now. But I think that um, if I'm to be optimistic, that we can grow past all that stuff. Eventually. Grow past governments and... and uh, I mean, you know, and, and again, I, that could be optimistic. This may never happen. <laughs> you know, we may kill ourselves, but I think that... The idea of nations is kind of like I, well, causes I, wars. I, I, I believe in evolving. You know, I believe that life continues to evolve. And where would it go next? Well, certainly it would see trivial things as not important. Certainly, I mean, that's just... It's a no-brainer. I mean, that, that, you know, if we could do it, that would be the next step. And if, if we, we don't do, do it, if it could be done. If uh, it could be done. Oh, 
evolving past. I think he means evolving uh, past. Going going past. Evolve? Evolving past borders and the, uh, uh, past the idea of, you know. Of this country, that country, you know. Oh. Totally. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I mean, you know, I'm being optimistic. This is far in the future, but I, I think about where we have come from, you know, and I, I look at, you know, our ancestors and their ancestors, and keep winding the clock backwards, and it makes sense why we are the way we are. But it also makes sense that we could grow out of that. Well, yeah, with nation states and stuff like that, that's a relatively new idea, you know. But exactly. this Israel thing. It's just this, just, just this Israel thing that happens to be so old school. But it's still you know not I mean? that old. It's only two. I mean, it's only three, that four thousand years old. Okay, the, then we can talk old. about the age of the universe. But well, not even the age. <laughs> of the, I'm not even talking about the universe. I'm just talking about human. I'm what we consider humans. You know, I'm not going to even go back past that because. Yeah. I mean, I will sure. gladly, but no, I'm just talking about in, as far as the oldest humans that we know of. Four thousand years is not that long. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Can, can I address something? Can I take Please. a step back? Yeah. You said that that I'm like I'm me and your dad are black and white, and you and Josiah are I, gray. I didn't mean that as a diss. I, that's just wh- no, no, yeah. No. But what what if I can I respond to that? Please. What if I said that life is not black and white? What if I said it's actually four shades? Okay. That's actually there's black, there's white. There's one shade of gray, and there's another shade of gray. That's what I believe. I don't believe it is black and white. I believe it's four shades. But why only four? Huh? <laughs> why only four? There's a spectrum. I'll tell you why. Because of the teaching of Yeshua. So there's four kinds of people. And he uses a parable of the seed sower. He says that there's a the guy who sowed seed on the wayside, on the road, and um, birds came and ate the seed. Seed didn't grow. There's the guy who sowed the seed on rocky soil, and the seed sprung up into these plants, but they didn't have deep roots, and so they withered and died. And the seeds, that's two. Seeds are sown amongst thorns, and they grew up, but they stayed growing up, but they were choked by the plants around it, the weeds around it, and did not bear fruit. And finally, there were seeds planted on good soil. It grew to be the tree that bears much fruit. And Sounds like Goldilocks to me. Huh? Sounds like Goldilocks. Right. Well, check it out. What does it mean? What I mean is, is that the three of us sitting in this room fall into some one of those categories. And your dad falls into one of those categories. You know what I mean? But you can't be a little bit of one and a little bit of the other? Well. I mean, first of all, I don't, I don't know what the categories really mean. You'd have to explain the parable a little bit more. Yeah. Let's, you know, you have to ask yourself, because you talked about it. You, you, said that, you talked about it. You have to ask yourself, are you the person who the word never reached you, the wayside, like the word of God never reached you? Or are you the person who heard the word of God with enthusiasm, but didn't keep on? Or are you the person who, who still kicks it with God, but doesn't overdo it and bear fruit or whatnot? Or are you the person who's gung-ho with it and bearing fruit, you know, which I would argue is your dad. I am the person, you know? I am the person that believes God is way larger and way more mysterious than what's in the Bible. I'm someone that thinks that what's in the Bible is man's version of what they think God might be, but I don't think it's 
I don't think it's actually how it is. That's that's me. I think it's the yeah. best that we had at the time that it I, was written. You're talking about a, a creative power. Like a, like yeah, yeah, or like whatever's in control, actually. Yeah. I believe is... Uh, behind the curtain. Yeah, I, I believe is... is there's something behind the curtain. Not, something behind the curtain. I believe there's, that there's it's, something behind the curtain of time and space. Yeah. I believe that it's not fathomable to our brains. And I believe that what was written in the Bible, the you know, any any of the any of the books that humans have written to try to explain what the hell we're doing here, I believe are man's version of, you know, trying to figure it out. And I and I, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's a good thing. Very important. But I think Important also, step. I think also that um, we don't, we still can't understand. I mean, that's that's my feeling. Well, the only reason this story exists, like you called it, right? The, the man behind the scenes. That there is a creative power. What we're looking at came from something. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the only reason that that something somehow connects with us. And all of a sudden, there's a book, and there's all these teachings, and there's a faith, and there's all these things. The only reason for that is because that thing, that higher power, decided in its wisdom to love. Because God didn't just create everything, but for some reason, God decided that God wants to love us. But I don't how know why. Do you, why do you believe that? Because I believe that the greatest act of love was displayed to us through Yeshua's sacrifice on the cross. That's, you know, he, he showed us how it's done. Like you, you lay so down you your just leg. take that on faith because you... What? And I take it, you on, take faith. it on faith. Because you I take believe, it on faith. Because you decided take, at, at a young age that you believed it and you stuck, yeah. you stuck with that. But we do take a lot of stuff on faith. We take, you know, like I'm going to get on that plane. You're going to go on a plane tomorrow and you're going to get somewhere. You take it on faith. Well, you know, what do you mean exactly? Well, you believe in the systems to to do their job. To, the the, plane, the pilot's going to fly the plane. I take my chances. You know, well, yeah, well, you know, there's there's my, always that possibility. I'll take my chances. I mean, I know the odds of things. If I, if, but, well, I don't know the odds of everything. But Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I, I I take my chances on on Yeshua, because he continuously um, comes through. He, he shows that love in different ways. I, I just never saw that. I, I, I feel I just feel like that and I'm like the fact that you can feel that and that that's a parameter for your life, I think is it's good for you for your life. Yeah. Like you know, I'm concerned I'm defending my faith here and I You don't have to defend no, you know, you're No, we just have different viewpoints and we're just talking about it. I don't yeah. I don't have all the answers at all. I mean I you know, I, I, I certainly uh, follow scientific consensus, you know, for the most part, but, you know. No, I, Adam, I, 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 I'm jealous of you in a way. To have, to have a concrete thing. Okay. Or a concrete, like, way that you can see, why, you know, why we're here, what our purpose is. I don't have that. And so for me, it just is all about sort of uh, imagining. And, and you know, and that, that can get frustrating and that can get scary um, as well. So, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not a diss or anything. I'm just, I'm curious about, it's just, we went different paths. We came from the same place and we took different paths. Um, 
And that's what's interesting to me. Is that... Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm very pessimistic about trusting history. I, I just... I, I can't... You're pessimistic about something history? Uh, that's the wrong word. Wary. Uh, skeptical is the yeah. word I was thinking of. I'm not, uh, I'm not pessimistic. I'm very skeptical of history. I mean... Like the historical... I, I know, the I know there are Bible scholars that will tell you that we have very good documents. And, and they're better than most books, sure. I mean, there is a lot of, lot of stuff there. But I can only believe in things that we can replicate here and now. You know, how can I trust that? Trust what? What do you mean? A, what? a book... Written by people, miracles or whatever things. That I, might... I mean, I love it. I love it. How can I trust the word? I love it because it's a flawed because flawed people wrote this book, and there's misinterpretations and there's. Well, we don't know what really conflict. happened. I love yeah, there's no evidence. You know why? I dude, I have I have a Bible at home, in Ebonics. You know what I'm saying? And so it's different than the Dead Sea Scrolls. A Bible and Ebonics, would you argue? Sure. The New Testament but that's just language. Is different. That's, you're just talking about language but now. But God, here's the thing. God, this being, he's faithful in communicating his word. He'll use people. I'm sorry, I'm excited about this. That's my, that's my thing. Well, but it, I love it's it. certainly, you're not, you're not wrong that it's become, that's very, why it's very popular. Religion is very popular. That's why you can step into some Baptist church that's totally culturally different than where you're at some the corniest praise music, whatever, and God can reach you with that because he uses people. You know, he uses stuff that's you can be skeptical about. He uses evil people. He uses sinners to to bring his message around. You know? There are very important things in, in the message. I'm not going to deny that. And that's why it's so appealing to so many people. You know, this forgiveness, this kind of letting go, this starting over. Yeah. Everybody wants that, and, and when you have a group that's accepting you, it's very, it can be very good for a person. I'm not going to deny that. But, but you can't swallow the pill. I don't, I don't buy the story of it. I mean, I, I, I think whatever is real out there is black and white. There, there, there's stuff that's right, and there's stuff that's not right. It's, it's not like everything's a gray area. I mean... Like, you like scientifically documented? Yeah, I mean, but, scientifically. But flawed human beings have to interpret that documentation. Yes, yes, yes. And, yeah. and we do our best, and we, we, we always <laughs> get best. it wrong. Take your chances. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> so. you know. But but that's a method that you can replicate. I, I, I believe that science is, is one of the ways that God has worshipped. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. You know. Yeah. So well, here's here's one of my favorite things. Okay, you know I, I love comic books. And I love comic book movies and all that. You know, so when Thor came out a few years ago, at the time I was studying about uh, a little bit about um, the Third Reich and Hitler and stuff, and that all stuff was inspired by Norse mythology. Yeah. And here Thor, you know, shows up, and that's Norse mythology, and I felt bad about that. I was like, ah, I don't remember, really you know, but. Um, they were bad too. I mean, Vikings were were pretty brutal right. as well. But there's this line in Thor, you know, where he says, "We're gods," you know, and then Odin he yells at him. He says, "We are not gods." And when that sentence, he changed the movie from a fantasy movie 
to a science fiction movie. He's, it's because of science. We're not gods. We're created beings. And I fell in love with it. I love that, that, that's, that nuance, that switch, where you say this is a creative phenomenon, a created, a created phenomenon, you know, because it points Odin, at a creator. I, I thought Odin was a god. Huh? I thought Odin was... Right. According to mythology, he yeah, yeah. probably still is, but according to the script of the first yeah, Thor yeah, movie, yeah. the science fiction movie. <laughs> yes. So. Yeah. I think it's appropriate, actually, to give a little history on you, though, briefly. Okay. Just about Adam's uh, being a bit of ahead, ahead of his time as far as uh, fads went. <laughs> I, I mean, I thought, you yeah. know, I mean, yeah. you know, I just want people listening to this to understand. When he mentioned he had eight kids because it was punk rock, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, like, it, that is punk rock because that's not cool. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That's not like the <laughs> right, cool thing right. to do. Of course Adam's doing that. Yeah. You know, I felt like when we were kids, the stuff we were into, and not that we were cool, the stuff we were into was not probably cool at all, but... If, if history is going to side with one or the other, it certainly will side with you. Well, look, as far as as far as style and, you know, I mean, I'll just give one example. The, you know, we were into this band and we, we wanted to start our first band with our other friend. And we had to have uniform. We wanted to have these uniforms and all this kind of glam, glamour. It was glam 80s, metal. Yeah, we this thinking. is 80s glam time, right? And we were sucked in. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Adam wasn't having it. He was like, no, you don't need uniforms. You just wear a T-shirt. Like you were, you were already like punk rock. I'll at tell the time. you why. It's because it's because he had a he had an older sister. Was I know, nine, nine years older it's than probably you. just your sister. That and like she you. was super cool. A lot, yeah. a lot. I said a lot was super cool. Your you know, you had a sister that. Oh yeah. And she lived with you guys when she was a teenager. Yeah, yeah. And so you had that to look at. I had Josiah, who was a total nerd. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, but you 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 know I, you were into skateboarding pretty early on. Yeah, before skateboarding was cool. I mean, I I, I think like you, in my mind, you were skating. Yeah, right or right around 90s. the time. No, no, eighties. Eighties. Yeah, um, late late eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Late eighties. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't. Anyway, I just that's one thing. Hey, that's one thing about you, you that that I always appreciated was. Yeah. Those types of things. I'm sorry. As far as cool goes, you guys are, you know. Well, we don't have a, have a cool contest here. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, you know, it, I, I thought of it when you talked about your eight kids, and that, that was funny to me because, in a way, it makes sense that you you've come full circle, like from. <laughs> oh, you did all that, so now you know, and we're still trying to be cool. Right. We're, we're right. Our, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I yeah, I I would have eight kids. <laughs> I would do it. Shout out to the Danielson family and all those kids, you know. Oh, that, yeah. That, yeah. It was inspiring to me to see a band of siblings, you know. They so. just put out a new album, I heard. Someone told me. Was that? I, someone told me they just put out a new album. A new EP coming out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. On Joyful Noise. Oh, yeah. really? Yes. Right? That's what Adam yeah. told Joyful me. Noise. Joyful Very Noise. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. You need me to tell you this stuff? <laughs> I didn't, yeah. I never heard. I don't know why I didn't hear that. That's cool, though. That's wonderful. It's perfect. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I, 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 I want to hear what you were going to say because you were going to talk yeah, about yeah, well, that. I just, I, I, when we were kids, I got the Sega Master System. You got the Nintendo. Everybody got the Nintendo. But I felt this commission in life to talk about the benefits of the Sega Master System, defend my choice. And I think my whole life has been like that. I, just, I, I do one thing and I, I, I defend what I do. But here's the thing, you know, 
sometimes I really think it's the right choice, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I just feel a lot of our relationship um, can sometimes goes to a place of me defending these choices because I feel like I have to explain why. why well, I, look. I'm, well, I haven't been with you for those years. You know what? What? No. I mean, my parents dragged me to halfway across the world. Adam, you know, but, you don't have to feel you know, any guilt for that, man. But I haven't, I haven't been there with you guys, and it's like it's because of this decision, and it was a good decision, and I believe it was. But I feel like this drive to defend it sometimes. You know. Your your decision to stay here. You mean? It wasn't to go here, to be here, to yeah. stay here. Well, you were thirteen. You, know. you didn't really have a choice at the time. Yeah, but sometimes even, I feel like I could have kicked and screamed and. Yeah, even still, I don't think <laughs> no, it was a bad decision. I think your life turned out ahead. good. Oh, oh yeah, I mean yeah. I think it was the right thing. I think in some ways it saved my life. Yeah, you know I was getting involved with some bad stuff, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I I will say as much as I loved Super Mario Brothers. Alex Kidd, Alex Kidd. In Miracle World. Nobody knows what that is who's hearing this. It was a basically parallel to Super Mario Brothers. Oh, I'll, get, I'll, get, I'll get emails about on, that. On the Sega. And we played that at Adam's house. And those are, those are you remember you were talking about your favorite memories today? You, you mentioned your favorite memories were playing Le, the Glow in the Dark Lego fight. Remember? Oh my God. That's my favorite childhood memory. That's what you I just to told me. To my own kids. Adam told me that in the car today. Tell, tell them what, what, what that is. <laughs> I was my own kids want to know like like what was the most fun I ever had in my life. Tell, I go back that. to that time of playing Glow Dog Legos in your what house. We used, to do, we used to throw the throw the Legos around in the dark. Glow, and glow in the dark Lego fight in the dark. That's the official <laughs> yeah. name. Glow in the dark so, Lego fight. And in Don the Lambert, because Don Lambert was he's the responsible adult that he was our babysitter at the time. Yeah, oh, he's he the one who got us to this. do this. He, you know, he played the game with us. Yeah, he, he, he encouraged us clobbering each other with plastic yeah. in the head and stepping yeah. on. Just turn it, the lights know. out with the glow in the dark Legos, and they Start just go. They go whirling. It, it's yeah. like Star Wars. It's, yeah. it's wonderful. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so. but my one of my favorite memories is playing Alex Kidd. All right, that yeah. game at your house in that room. Ah, oh, so <laughs> it was. Just so magical. And so Alex Kidd is like a metaphor for different life choices. Yeah. I chose Sega, you chose Nintendo. Yeah, dude. And now look, we're in our 40s. What are, I don't know. I don't know you hit that yet. And I'm here with eight kids in Israel, and you guys are where you're at. You know, different no kids, choices. Different choices. <laughs> yeah, different choices. So. All right. I mean, there's so much more we could talk about. There is. But we've been talking for an hour. We've got dinner. Um, and we have dinner coming up. <laughs> so... Anything? What? I just want to ask Adam. Anything else you want to talk about, or like any any pressing thing you want to discuss uh, before we close out? Yeah. First of all, thank you. Thank you for thank you. Thanks for thanks place for... to talk and stuff. Yeah. I guess because you're listening, so well, my life is about is about the pursuit of beauty. I want to surround myself with beauty. Like, I think we all do. We just want. To, I want to surround myself with beautiful things and, and beauty. And but along the way, beauty um, caused me a lot of pain. The pursuit of beautiful things caused me a lot of pain, and I realized because the it lacked truth. And my life has become a search for beauty and truth. I've. Many times I find one without the other. I, I find truth. I'll take you to the nearest place where you can find truth, but it might lack beauty. 
And um, my life is a pursuit to surround myself with beauty and truth. And that's what my music project is about. And um, that's, that's kind of something I wanted to communicate. So Let's, Can we get your uh, website one more time? Right, right. <laughs> uh, Haradonai.net. H-A-R-A-D-O-N-A-I.net. So. so go check it out, people in the world. Been sitting here with Adam Rosenfeld in the Galileria uh, uh, Hotel. Upper Galilee. Upper Galilee. The name of the hotel? Yeah. Oh, man. Galilee. It doesn't matter the hotel. It doesn't matter. Take anyway. a what area is What's this? Upper it's the Galilee. Upper Galilee. Okay. We're close to Lebanese border. Close to the Lebanese border. Close to Syria, too. Close to Syria. Um, Galileon. Galileon is the name of the hotel. And uh, it's been great talking to you. I love you, man. Say, yeah. say, say bye to the uh, folks out there. Bye, bye, people. Thank you, people. <laughs> say, say bye to say. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much, as always, for listening to my ass. I want to also thank specifically those of you who have decided to support the podcast, to become my patrons and matrons of the arts. Uh, these are my executive producers that I'm about to read off, those that gave $5 or more a month on patreon.com slash thewanderingwolf. Adam Chase, Alexis Johnson, Caitlin Augustine, Dylan Rowe, Cemetery Chips, Isaac Lang, Jim Laskowski, Joel Blankenship, Matt Hill, Merrick Jarmulowicz, Simon Bird, Tim Vecchio, Emma Ridgeway, Paul Solorzano, Kenneth Leon, or Leanne, let me know, and Robert Hess. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this, and I also want to thank those uh, people who decided to go anonymous into this beautiful night. Uh, I, I thank you also, and also those that gave not $5, but, but less than that. Thank you very much. You gave what you can, and I, I, I really appreciate that. Patreon.com slash Wolf. Go get those concert tickets at whywithequestionmark.com slash tour, and we'll see you on the road. Uh, I, I enjoy seeing all you out there. Let me know you, you're, you're a Wandering Wolf listener. Uh, and get 10% off of these nuts. No, I'm just kidding. All the musics that are smattered throughout under my talking and whatnot are Haradunai. That is Adam's musical project, haradunai.net. And we're going to go out, as always, on a song by our guest. This is Blue Pegasus by Haradunai. Keep wandering, y'all. Just
sounds more like an outro. I'm like, oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> or something like that.